Good morning. <laughs> Today's scripture reading is Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. May the Lord bless this reading of his word. Good morning, everybody. Morning. I want to tell you a little bit about some family friends of mine. They're named the Schultzes, the Schultz family. And they have three kids. And I learned that as the kids were growing up and going to school, every morning their father would take them in front of their door, the front door, he would pray with them, and then he would tell them, now remember kids, you represent the Schultz family. And then they would go. And I told that uh, to Anna, and she said, that sounds kind of intimidating, <laughs> a little bit of a pressure. Every morning you're reminded you represent the family. And I said, yes, that's true. But if you knew the father, if you knew Mr. Schultz, he's one of the most tender, compassionate, caring, patient, godly men that I know. And I know for a fact that if his kids didn't represent him well that day, he was not going to throw them out on the street. And I know that if his kids didn't always represent the Schultz family exactly the way he wanted them to and doing it well, he would still care for them, love them, invite them in, and work together as a family. When we are born again into the family of God, when we confess our sins and believe in Jesus, the true king of, of the universe, we are welcomed into the family, to the family of God, in which he's never going to kick us out. He's with us, as he promised at the end, until the very end of the age. But we do have a mission, a commission, that he's given to us to represent him and to make disciples. And when we do that well and when we do that poorly, we're his, and we're in it together. So let me back up a second. This is our last Sunday in the Gospel of Matthew. It has been September 2019 when we started the Gospel of Matthew. And so that's two and a half years-ish that we've been going through this Gospel, learning about King Jesus and the Kingdom, learning about who he is. And so after that, after today, we're done. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're going to jump into another, another series, another book. We'll talk about it. Um, I'll actually intro it at the end of the message. Uh, but today's our last week in Matthew. If you remember last week, it was Resurrection Sunday. We saw how Jesus went into the tomb with all of the sins of the world, and only one walked out, <laughs> and it was Jesus. And he gave this gift of life to all who accept it, this free gift of eternal life. All the promises that he has given to us in his word are yes and amen in Jesus. It was proven when God raised him from the dead, and he walked out of that tomb. He gives life. There's hope. There's a future. He's going to restore, to create a new heavens and a new earth and have his people with him forever. It's true. It's true. However, we see today that he doesn't only give life 
wait until he comes back and just do whatever you want. He gives us a meaningful life. He gives us a, a, a mission. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Here's the main idea for our passage. The king gives his followers a mission for a meaningful life. The king gives his followers a mission for a meaningful life. And so here's, here's how we're going to break it down today. First, for our roadmap, we're going to talk about how when Jesus encounters his disciples, they greet him with both worship and doubt. We read about that in verses 16 through 17. And then he gives them the great commission in verses 18 through 20. What is this task? What is this mission he gives to his church? And then we're going to talk a little bit about how we as a church go about this mission. We're going to tie this in nicely with one of our three church planting Sundays that we do each year. And so, first, he greets his disciples in Galilee, as he said he would, in verses 16 through 17, and there is a mixture of both worship and doubt. Verses 16 through 17, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So Jesus had told him even before he was betrayed, before he was killed, that he would be raised from the dead and that he would meet them, go before them, and meet them in Galilee. And he does, because Jesus is faithful. What he says he's going to do, he always does. He's consistent. He's loyal. He's steadfast. We can trust him. We can rely on him. His word is as good as true. And so he meets them in Galilee, as he says. But his people are not always consistent. We're not always faithful. We don't always believe the truth, even when it's staring right in front of us. And Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, was literally staring at his disciples in Galilee, and some of them doubted. Does that make some of you feel a little bit better in your own doubts? If Jesus, the resurrected Jesus is standing right in front of them, and still there's some measure of uncertainty, of doubt, of hesitation to jump in, to believe, and to follow what he's commanding them to do, we have, we have doubts, and that's part of being a human being, and that's, that's part of having uncertainties about things, of wanting to know what the truth is, and wanting to dig to find out what the truth is. And if we can give the disciples a little bit of slack, it had been a long journey for them. Three years ago, they were fishermen. They were average Joes going about their, their lives, and Jesus changed all of that. And he radically transformed their lives. And they've been learning about the king and the kingdom and what it means to be human and who God is and how they're supposed to treat other people and each other through those three years. And then Jesus is dead, dead for three days. And now here he is in front of them alive and telling them the mission for the rest of their lives. It was a lot to take in, right? It was a lot. And so they worship him, but there's, there's some also who doubt it. And notice that Jesus doesn't criticize them for their doubt. He doesn't say, you have to have zero doubt before you worship me and start following this mission that I've given to you. No, he draws towards them and he tells them the Great Commission. Doubts aren't necessarily bad, it's what we do with them. And God's not afraid of our questions. He's not afraid of our digging and wanting to pursue the truth. So we can do that together. The disciples will go about fulfilling and being part of the mission that he gives to them, even if they don't have all of their questions resolved, even if they aren't 100% full of faith, they follow. Jesus is worth pursuing and following even when we don't have 100% of our questions answered and resolved. There's greetings mixed with worship and with doubt, and then the king gives them the mission, 
The king gives his followers a mission for a meaningful life. So let's talk about the Great Commission. What is a mission? A commission. A commission is a duty or a command given to a person or a group. So he gave them a commission. It's called the Great Commission because it's the great task, the great responsibility uh, command given for his people that will keep them occupied, keep us busy for the rest of our lives. He gives us some, not just a life, but a meaningful life in the Great Commission. And I want to point out that this Great Commission, this responsibility given to his people, is sandwiched between two promises. Sandwiched between two promises. I often, when I want to tell someone something constructive that I think they can work on or something, I will start with a compliment. I like your hat. Or something like that. And then I will say something about that they can work on or change or fix. And then I will end with, and I also really appreciate our friendship. So if I do that to you, you can see what I'm, what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> which is not entirely related to what I'm talking about. However, there's a sandwich here. He doesn't, just, he doesn't just start with, here's what you have to do. He starts with a promise of his power. And then he ends with a promise of his continual presence. And in the middle is the presentation of the mission. So he starts with the promise of his power in verse 18. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Before he gets to the mission, he says, I have all authority, all power to do it. Authority is the right to use power, and he has all power, and he has all authority on hev in heaven and on earth. That's everywhere, and he has the ability to get the mission done. All power. He demonstrated some of that when he was with, with his disciples. His power over the creation calms a storm with a word. His power over the spiritual realm when he forgives people of their sins. Power over all realms in heaven and on earth. All power, all authority is his. And so before you get to the task and to the mission, don't forget to rely on the person. Yes, we can have a strategy and a plan and ideas. How can we go about fulfilling the command that he's about to give to us? But he starts with his power. Don't forget about the person, the all-powerful God that is leading us. Then he gets to the mission. Presentation of the mission in verses 19 through 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. I want to read that again. Great commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. I want to point something out for you. In this great commission, in this responsibility he gives to us, there is one command, one imperative, and then there are three explanatory verbs, participles. There's one command, one, and then there are three participles, three explanatory verbs of how to go about doing, obeying that command. So what is the one command in the commission? Here it is. Make disciples. There it is. That's the command. And then there are three explanatory verbs of how to do that. In your going, baptizing, and teaching. Make disciples. That's the command. How do we do that? Going, baptizing, and teaching. Let's talk for a minute about making disciples. 
It's part of the meaningful life that the Lord has given to us. Not to simply wait around until he returns or try to figure out, here's my goal in life, have as much money as I can in my bank and then die, or go to as many places as I can around the world and that's my goal. He gives us a mission, a goal, something worth pursuing in life, and that's to make disciples. It's why, you know, on our, for our mission statement as a church, it's to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. We didn't make that up. We got that from... Well, first, we've heard that from other churches, which is a really good mission statement. And then we, but before that, they got it from what Jesus said. <laughs> right? Right here. Here's the command. To make disciples. Not disciples of us, disciples of Jesus. Connecting people with Jesus. What's a disciple? I'm going to talk about that for a little while now. What's a disciple? If in one word, which is, by the way, the word he uses, a disciple, to... to to talk about those who belong to God. It's the most widely, the most, the most used word, right? Children of God, right? Yes, uh, bride of Christ, but disciples is the one used the most. And it's the word that means learners. If in one word you had to define disciples, you could say they're learners. And that's a process. You don't learn everything at once. It's not the matrix where you put on that headset thing and just close your eyes and you know everything about Kung Fu in, in a minute. It's a process. It, it's a, throughout our whole lifetime, we're always learning about the Lord, constantly learning. Our website says this about disciples, and they say it better than I do, so I'm going to read it. Disciples are people who continually allow the gospel to inform their lives and mature them into his image through the process of the repeated pattern of faithfully finding the things God reveals, responding to them, and then reflecting that to others. Okay, so I'm going to break that down a little bit more. Disciples are continual learners. It's through a process throughout our whole life where we continually have the revelation of God. We read his word. We see it in creation from other believers. Where we, God reveals himself. We respond to his revelation in either obedience or disobedience. And that impacts those around us. We reflect that obedience or disobedience to those around us. And so... Uh, again, from our website, I want to read this. When it talks about how God reveals, right, the eternal God reveals himself, the created is always informed by the creator. God initiates, and disciples of him are people who first find the revelation of God, and the things they search for and listen to and follow are the things that the eternal God reveals. God always begins. He is communicative and constantly reveals himself. He does so in creation through its beauty and order. He speaks through his word so that his people can know him, his nature and his character. He speaks through his people and their lives. And he has fully revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. All we ever need to know about God has been fully revealed to us in Jesus Christ. And disciples of Jesus continually look to Christ and his word to be led by him. The eternal God reveals himself. And then we respond. There's an internal response always. In every moment of God's revelation, there's response. Revelation is always followed by response. The discipleship journey has a continually repeated pattern of God revealing himself and his people responding. Sometimes disciples respond by receiving in faith what God has revealed, which leads to following and worshiping him. It's obedience. But sometimes disciples, don't we, respond by rejecting what God has revealed out of fear or doubt or some other reason. The pilgrim journey for disciples is one marked by either receiving or rejecting 
God's truth and grace. But our aim is to move towards more faithful and consistently receiving God's revelation, allowing the knowledge of God to become something that we experience in a way that transforms our lives, to continually be able to respond in obedience and in worship and encouraging each other to do the same. But then as God reveals himself and we respond in obedience or disobedience, that leaves an impact. We reflect him to other people. God's revelation always calls for a response from his disciples. And in responding, disciples always reflect their response to those around them. Part of God's revelation to people is through his disciples and how they respond to him. In receiving him, we reflect faith, trust, worship, and adoration of our God. Our story illumines his story. But in rejecting him, we reflect fear, doubt, pride, sin, and our story eclipses his story. The call of God to his disciples is to come and see him, to follow him, and then go, reflect the things that he's revealed to us. Disciples who have their hearts transformed by experiencing the joy and satisfaction of God in their lives, then live lives that are serving others and sharing the truth and grace of God with the world. We impact those around us. So disciples, we are, we are continually learning about God as he reveals himself, and we respond by either receiving, worshiping, obeying, or rejecting what he's, what he's revealed, and that leaves an impact. There's an external impact of that to those around us, where we work, where we play, where we go, our family, all of it. Disciples. The command is to make disciples. But who are candidates to be disciples of the Lord? Who are the ones he wants us to reach? And here's the answer. Jesus says, all nations. <laughs> make disciples of all nations. That's everyone, everywhere. The scope of the church's mission is universal. All humans everywhere. It expresses both geographically all over the world and also every human being, no matter what culture they're from, no matter what ethnicity, no matter what language they speak, he is for all people. Make disciples of all nations. So let's talk a little bit about what making disciples entails as he uses these three explanatory verbs, these participles. In making disciples, while you're going, baptizing, and teaching. So, first, while we're going. While we're going where? <laughs> Everywhere we go. So, most of you know that the primary place that you're making disciples is going to be, for a lot of us, in our own home. Right? As you're going about your time in your own home, making disciples. And we can talk a lot more about that. And the more people in your home, the more time and effort that takes, as you know. But as you're going, as you're going where you work, as you're going where you play, where you shop, to where you take your car to get fixed, where you take, wherever. Everywhere you're going, we're called to connect people to Jesus. And it's important every now and then to check in. Am I where God wants me to be? Am I in the place where I have the best opportunity to accomplish the mission of making more and better disciples of Jesus Christ? Am I doing that? Am I part of a church that's doing that? Am I in a location where there's opportunity to do that, where I'm best able to use the gifts that God has given to me, or et cetera. I'll share a little bit about my own story. When I went to grad school for seminary in Lynchburg, I loved it there. I loved the weather, I loved the, the, the people, I loved the different programs they had. I thought this could be a great place to start a family eventually, but I knew that for me, God was calling me to the Northeast. 
It's where it's where where I was born and raised, and I realized that the the need there's always a need. There's disciples need to be made everywhere, but seeing the Northeast and the amount of churches compared to the amount of churches in in Lynchburg and the surrounding areas, I wanted to go to the Northeast in order to try to make, make the best impact I can with my life to make disciples, to connect people to the Lord. It shouldn't just be about the weather or a program or some you know, ter- tertiary goal that we have and where we choose to go. But while we're going, he calls us to make more and better disciples of Jesus. And then he says, we make disciples in baptizing. So baptism, just for a minute. The word means immersion. And when someone's baptized, they are immersing themselves into life with God and with the people of God. And notice here, Matthew says, they're baptized in the name, singular, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We see right there the unity and the diversity with God in the Trinity. One God, three persons. And when someone's baptized, they're baptized into life, into communion, into fellowship with the one God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and with the church, his people. Baptism is a once and for all decisive decision to commit one's life to the Lord and to his people, the church. N.T. Wright says it this way, baptism is the public, physical, and visible way in which someone is marked out, branded almost, with the holy name of the living God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So in making disciples, we want to see people getting baptized, as we do in our church, thank the Lord, every year, we, we have at least one baptism service. And bapti- people choose to get baptized, right? It's not something that we go around and try to force people to do, or pull a nacho libre and have a bowl of water and just be like, now you're baptized, and now you're baptized. It's a decision people make to commit their lives to the Lord and to his church. After they've had their experiences with God revealing himself and responding and seeing that through his people and his word, they make the decision to do that and they immerse themselves into life with God and the church. And I'm thankful to be part of a church in which we're seeing baptisms happen, right? And more, to, more on that in August when we have our next baptism service at, at Grafton. But part of making disciples, it means going, it means baptizing, And then it means teaching. He says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. That right there is a lifelong task. If baptism is a once decisive initiation of the community in life with God, teaching people, teaching of all that God has commanded is something that's going to, we're constantly maturing in and learning ourselves, what God has taught. And then being able to turn around and teach that to other people. And that's going to look differently in different ways context, right? The teaching that's happening downstairs with our children is going to look a little bit differently, different, differently, than our teaching up here. And when you're talking to a peer, when you're talking to somebody who's been through different experiences than you, we are called to be able to know what God has taught and then to be able to talk to somebody about it over endless cups maybe of coffee and conversation, but being able to apply and teach Uh, in a way that that person can relate to and understand what God has revealed, the truth of what God has revealed. What we teach is really important, right? We're teaching God's truth, his command, what he's taught us in his word, what he's revealed, that we only know to be true of God because he revealed it to us. So what we teach is, is vital. But it's not just what we teach, it's how we teach. When you learn from somebody, 
how, how do you generally learn? I think we can have some general ideas here of the kinds of teachers we want to be. I don't like learning from people that are yelling at me <laughs> and don't really care about me and just want to check something off and aren't really listening to what I'm saying. Right? I, I learn from people that, that listen well and that can try to relate to what I'm experiencing, that are patient, right? that maybe talk about their own life in some way, that are open. Those are the kinds of teachers. Look at the, the way that Jesus taught right? as we walk through the Gospel of Matthew. That's the kind of teacher that he's calling us to be. It's not just what we teach, it's how we teach. Jesus taught in truth and grace, never compromised on the truth, but did it in a way that was caring, empathetic to those that he taught to. Those are the kinds of teachers he calls us to be. So we're called to make disciples in our going, in our baptizing, in our teaching. I'm sure we could talk a lot more about each one of those, but just a little bit for those. But he doesn't stop there. He ends the promise sandwich with the last promise and the last verse in the Gospel of Matthew, which is verse, the last part of verse 20, where he says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What a promise that is, is it not? When Jesus was born, Matthew says, Here is Emmanuel, God with us, the one that Isaiah talked about over 700 years before then. To us a child is born, to us a son is given. He was here. Emmanuel, God with us. And now Jesus is saying, that's never changing. <laughs> he wasn't here for us for a little bit and then he's gone. He's with us forever. He never leaves. I love how Matthew doesn't focus, he doesn't emphasize the task of the disciples as much as he does the characteristics of Jesus. The power of Jesus all authority that Jesus has and the presence of Jesus with his people until the very end of the age. That's what he highlights, that's what he, that's what he emphasizes with our mission in the middle there as we're relying on Jesus, the one who has all power and believing and trusting in his presence with us always as we go about the task of making more and better disciples of Jesus, as we go out and represent him and teach others what he's taught to us, we focus on him. And if you get a bit overwhelmed thinking about the mission, don't forget about him, <laughs> to rely on Jesus. If we rely on him, we're gonna be okay. We're gonna be okay. I'm gonna say it again, I love, we have pre-service prayer uh, before each service, 9.15 to 9.45, and I walk out of that room after hearing our, our people pray, and I think the, heart, the work's done. <laughs> Relying on him, he's the one that changes our hearts. We can try, you can be the best, right? What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians? You could be the best teacher. You could be, you could have more faith than anybody. You could, but if you don't care about people, if you don't have that heart change that God does in us, you're not going to make any impact. We're not going to do anything of any lasting significance if God isn't doing the work. Not I, right? But Christ in us, the song that we sang. But Christ in us. He's the only one who perfectly responded in obedience and in worship and in faithfulness to God. He's the only one that perfectly reflected who God is to those around him. And we, followers, learners, are learning and growing together, not alone, together, and becoming more like him and being able to show others who God is imperfectly throughout our life. 
and he has all power to do it, he will get the mission done, and he's with us until the end. So let me end with talking a little bit about our own church and how we go about the Great Commission. And I'm really focusing just on one aspect of that. So Great Commission for Terra Nova. I said it before, I'll say it again, you'll hear it a million more times. Our mission statement is to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ, and we do that by relying on him, his power, and his presence. Nine, we could say about 90% of our effort of making more and better disciples, baptizing, teaching, going, it's in our local context, 90%. And we do that through, we could talk a very long time about how we do that, right? Right now is part of the way we do that, Sunday Gathered, with our small groups, our tribes, with our men's and women's groups. We can go on and on about the effort that we put in, being intentional to make more and better disciples here in our local context, where we work, our homes, where, where we play, where we shop, all of that. But what I want to focus on is the other 10% today, as we talk a little bit about our church planting Sunday. 10% of our efforts go into the work of church planting around the world. We want other places to have the same opportunity that we have of connecting with the Lord, responding, and, and reflecting him to others, of being disciples, and of having a church structure that God has set in his word in order to do that, and to do that well. And if you want more rationale of why we work to plant churches, you can check our YouTube channel or our website. We had a message a few months ago of the, the church planting vision message. I would encourage you to check that out if you haven't seen it, of why we plant churches. But 10% of our efforts go towards that. We are a tithing church, which means 10% of all that we receive, we give towards the work of planting churches. We're a church planting church. In fact, there are three Terra Nova churches, if you didn't know that. There's one in Saratoga. In 2013, a bunch of people were driving from Saratoga, planted a church there. Very oversimplification, but that's what happened. 2016, a lot of people driving from North Adams to New York to go to church. We thought, it looks like God's doing something over there. Plant a church there. Three Terra Nova churches, Saratoga, Troy, that's us, hello, and in North Adams, Massachusetts. And um, so we, we plant churches. And Pastor Paul Gordon put together a uh, very helpful sheet for us of a yearly annual report, which I do have a slide here. And there's also, if you like a hard copy of this, I would encourage you, if you want to, if you want to read through it and have it as a resource for yourself and your family, I would encourage you to take one there on the table on your way out that talks about making disciples and specifically the different churches that we are supporting as they begin the work of church planting. So it's kind of hard to see. I'd be very impressed, actually, if you can read that from the back or even from the front. Um, but on the right side, towards the bottom, you're going to see the different churches that we are actively supporting, praying for and financially supporting for the work of, of church planting to help them get off the ground and to help them have a sustainable church where they're able to then plant other churches. Okay? And one of those churches that we're supporting is the Terra Nova Church in North Adams, part of our network, the Terra Nova Church, helping them get off the ground. Uh, the other, some of the other churches you're going to read on the bottom right are churches that are part of the Acts 29 network, a network that full-time works to plant churches around the world, to plant healthy churches that will plant other churches that we are uh, partnering with. And so we're, we're helping some of them plant churches. And then also some of our international partnerships, such as SRI, 
who Sri Ann, who's planting a church in Southeast India that I talked about last time we had our church planting uh, Sunday a few months ago. And so we continue to pray for him and support him and their work to plant a church in Amarvati, Southeast India. Um, and so the work goes on. And each time we do this, a few times a year, I want to give you something to, to pray about intentionally as we move forward in the work of the Great Commission. And today, what I'm going to do is give you something to pray about regarding within the network, uh, within the Terra Nova network. I'm going to ask you to pray for Saratoga, and then that's going to that's gonna, uh, tie in nicely with a prayer request for, for our church as well. So in Saratoga, uh, Pastor Daniel Williams is the lead pastor there, and they are giving him a sabbatical. Sabbatical is three months away from full-time ministry, from the emotional, the spiritual toll of leading a church, having those three months to step out of that role for a while, to rest and replenish, is really important for the work, to continue the work, for the long-term effort of being an effective and being um, a disciple and being a, uh, a leader in the church. And so, although maybe, for, from what I've seen, a lot of our culture may not, may not emphasize the need for rest, the Bible definitely does. <laughs> Uh, we're, me we're meant to rest. We can't, we're not meant to work all the time. And so they're giving him those three months this summer to rest, to recharge, and to come back strong. So let's be praying for Saratoga, their church, uh, for Pastor Daniel and the family, and uh, his time to recharge. And that will line up to another prayer request we have for our church, which is the fact that we are going to be giving Pastor Rob a sabbatical starting June 1st through August 31st. Some of you are starting to freak out. Don't freak out. We're going to be okay, I think. <laughs> Pretty sure. So it's important for us. We're, we're grateful that we're a healthy church that has the, the ability to give Pastor Rob some time uh, to recharge. Now, every seven years, the goal for Terra Nova is to give their full-time elders the, a sabbatical of three months. And when Pastor Rob's seven years came two years ago, uh, which was like not that long after we started this series, but COVID hit, two of our pastors left. He didn't even ask for it. He stayed and he didn't ask for it and he's been working crazy hard uh, during this whole transition during this time. And um, I'm just grateful we're able to give him some rest to be able to recharge and to be able to um, have you know emotional, physical, spiritual time to... Um, to replenish, and so um, I know that <laughs> Pastor Rob does a lot of does does a lot of work, and there's going to be plenty of opportunities as we ask you to to step up and to help to help us to continue to thrive uh, as a church throughout this summer uh, coming up. So hopefully you're not overwhelmed by um, this whole message of it is a great commission, is it not? Uh, not just for us, for all people that all people everywhere throughout history since Jesus said these words, to be those that are making disciples of all people, all people. And we have, we have a part in that. As small a part as it is in the grand scheme, it's a real part in the commission that he's given to us. And whether or not we're currently doing well in that mission or not, God doesn't abandon us. God doesn't throw us out. 
We're in it together. We look to Jesus, the one with all power, the one with all authority, and the one who promises to never leave us. And if you need a little bit of, a, of an application moving forward, if you're thinking, how can I participate in the Great Commission, I would say, first of all, your participation in Terra Nova is participation in the Great Commission. If you're actively involved in our church, then you're, you're part of what God is doing in making disciples around the world. And, and I would encourage you for in this. Let's say every one or two weeks, you decide that something that you're learning from God, we're always learning, something you have learned of him, something that's happening in your own discipleship journey, you decide you're gonna talk to somebody about that. You're gonna talk to somebody this week or the next two weeks about something God is doing in your life, right? That's an idea, an application moving forward for it. And don't forget to rely and just ask God to encourage you, to equip you, to be part of the the commission that he's given to us uh, to make disciples of all nations. So, we are done with Matthew. Done. (laughs) What are we gonna do next? Well, we just talked about, and we looked at the king, revealing the kingdom of God, his ways, his attributes, his character. King Jesus revealing the kingdom, what it means to be in the kingdom, through his words, through his deeds, through his miracles. Now. Let's talk about and let's live out being members of that kingdom. Let's live it out. So the next mini-series we're going to do is called the One Another series. And we're going to look at some of the commands throughout the New Testament that talk about how we treat each other, how we live as members of God's kingdom. Starting with, uh, next week, the most important of those commands, 1 Peter, when he says, above all... Love one another deeply from the heart. Love one another. And then we're going to talk about some other one another commands. All right? So that's where we're going. Will you all pray with me as we continue to worship? Lord, you have all power, you are mighty and you are able to accomplish whatever you want, and you will accomplish this mission of making disciples from people of all nations, all backgrounds, cultures, languages, tribes, tongues, all of it. You'll do it, and you've told us to be part of it. Lord, help us make it more of a privilege and an honor than a responsibility. As you, Lord, show us your love for us, your care for us, your patience with us, that we can reflect that to those around us, as well, that we can work together as a team to bring your kingdom here where we live, where we work, in our homes, and Lord, also to have a part of doing that around the world, of equipping and helping and praying for churches that are being planted around uh, this world, Lord. Thank you for our network, for the churches in Saratoga and North Adams. Thank you for the leadership there and for all that you've done uh, through those churches. We do pray for Pastor Daniel and for Pastor Rob, that they would be able to, Lord, that they would be able to encounter you in a new way, in a fresh way, uh, during their time away from, from full-time ministry, that you would fill them up, fill them up, Lord, to overflowing. Uh, teach them uh, that they come back, Lord, just filled up and uh, continuing ready to serve and to be part of your, uh, the commission that you've given 
to us, Lord. We're so grateful uh, for Pastor Rob and for, Lord, his effort and his wisdom. Lord, the ways that you've gifted him, the passion you've given to him, the music ability that you've given to him. And uh, Lord, we pray that you just bless him, bless the Keparudis family. Let them know how much we care for him uh, and bring him back strong. Thank you, Lord, for, for the Gospel of Matthew, for all that we've learned, for the ways that we've grown, for what we've learned about you as king, what you've taught us about your kingdom, and the hope we have that we know is sure because of your resurrection of the kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, I pray as we go through these one another commands, you'd help us to live that out and to live it out well. We pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen.